Welcome to Input GR, a podcast by Dunamis Media. Hey folks, Bruce with Dunamis Media and welcome to Input GR where we ask for your input so we can have a better outcome. Today I'm here at Larry Martin's house of Keller Williams and uh, we are going to do a very special podcast. We have a very special guest, Roy Harvey of Roy's Tree Service and Roy's going to help us. He's going to help us outside. We're going to be doing some actual demonstrations of how to operate a chainsaw. So uh, safety and all that stuff. But before we get to our guest, uh, I would like to mention the Grand Rapids organization of the day, and that is Mel Trotter Ministries. Mel Trotter Ministries is celebrating their 120th year this year. Uh, been around a very, very long time and a very solid organization. And um, they do a great job with job readiness, uh, how to rehabilitate uh, the people there, and also they do a great job of finding you a home. If you would like to give to Mel Trotter, you can give to them at, at meltrotter.org. That's meltrotter.org. And at the end of this podcast, as tradition, I always ask our guest a trivia question. So, Roy, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Great. So, Roy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you, before you got in the tree service business, you were a firefighter, correct? Correct. Correct. Now, was that in Grand Rapids here? Yeah. I was a Grand Rapids firefighter, um, spent most of my career kind of inner city, Bridge Street area, um, over at Franklin Station, kind of bounced between those and a few smatterings of the other stations throughout the career. So wound up, finished out at Franklin. Okay, and as we spoke before, we were just talking, reminiscing, you were raised on the northeast side of Grand Rapids? Um, yeah, a little bit all over. My dad was a builder, did a lot of stuff, so I started off, I, I guess, uh, kind of over in the Burton Heights area, went to St. Francis School in, in first grade, and then we moved to the north end and uh, wound up going to St. Jude School okay. back then and wound up at Northview High School. That's great. That's yeah. great. So what got you into tree, tree service business? I was thinking of this as a kid. I'm sure you climbed trees. Then you were a firefighter. And now you're climbing trees again, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> every kid just you, you love climbing trees. Um, and then as a firefighter, I was on a truck. And so we we did like the high angle stuff, um, rope work. Um, and and it, so it seemed like a, a, a pretty natural segue from firefighting into uh, tree work. It, it's a lot the same. It's figuring out problems, figuring out how to deal with problems, and then to safely take care of those situations. That's, is, okay, did you have a fear of doing that at first, or did you just really embrace it? No, back when, my, back when I was building with my dad, we did a lot of lot clearing, and, you know, thank God that he uh, has mercy on fools, because we did things that I look back on now and go, I, do, I don't know how I survived doing the things I did, and especially in tree removal, which can be very dangerous. Right. We literally um, dodged a lot of bullets, and, and I don't look at that early part of my tree career as what I would, I would call um, solid tree work. Um, there's a lot of learning that goes, goes on, which took place you know, later in my life when I realized, hey, if I'm going to do this, I don't want to kill myself. Right. How do I, right. how do I go about this? And, and, and so that's a, an education area that, you know, you, you kind of, you got to seek out. Right. So and, you uh, learn from other people. You don't just, there's yeah. really not a school for that, is um, there? You know, a, a lot of like, I, most of my equipment is from Vermeer, my, uh -huh. my chipper and, and all that stuff. And, and they put on a lot of seminars, usually a, a, a pretty solid seminars. They're, 
or a seminar once a year you can go um, it's climbing related because they sell a lot of the climbing gear obviously yeah. uh, equipment related but it's really good and you start learning from guys professionals um, that that do put on schools throughout the country for for this type of thing and and it is, it is quite dangerous and so you know when they start telling you hey you know here's how you got to do something well I've never done it like that but that makes sense sure and uh, in tree work you know you have police and fire that people believe that's the those are the two jobs where the mortality rate you know there's more deaths in those two related fields than anything I believe there's actually more in tree work more people really? are killed doing tree work um, than even those two professions and and so it's a it's a serious thing and, and you just gotta you know, it takes a long time to to uh, get comfortable doing some of the things that I wind up having to right, do. Right, right. So, Larry, how did you get in contact with with Roy, or how did you? Connect I've known with him? Roy for a long time. Our kids went to Triunity Christian together, uh -huh. and then I saw some of his vehicles and some of his uh, videos actually on Facebook, and it's amazing how there can be a really tight backyard or uh, an issue, and how he can. Uh, maneuver those trees so they don't hit a fence or a building or right. a, a shed and then I've had him do several of my trees right. and it's been a phenomenal experience that's great so I wanted to have him in it's a pretty that's interesting great. guy that's great yeah I mean I, I have a lot of trees in my backyard and some of them are dying and I get concerned about them falling down you know but it's amazing um, so, um, where do you go from here? Uh, do you do you work with local businesses uh, generally, or just uh, the general public? How do you how do you do that? Um, I I do a little of both. Uh, some some friends of uh, mine and Larry's that go to Resurrection Life Church sure. uh, that that have commercial businesses. I've have done work for them, but I'm also kind of my niche market is areas where um, you can't get large equipment in, okay. and you got to have somebody that can climb a tree. I mean, I can't get a crane in, I can't get a uh, spider lift in, so somebody's got to get in there and do some climbing. And in areas like that where you have to climb and you can't get um, equipment in, normally that means there's also rigging involved. So rigging and lowering and not just, you know, if, if you can just go in there and there's enough room to drop a tree down, then it really doesn't matter. But right. Um, if you need to uh, get it out of there safely, not land it on a house, outbuildings, yeah, decks, right. um, all of those type of things, then um, you got to have somebody that can get up in there and and uh, do that kind of job. So you're obviously fully insured. Yep. So that, yeah. It, I mean, in case it fell, did fall on a house. Yeah, right? I was just talking with my <laughs> wife yesterday. How's our insurance payments going? It's like mm, every month. Okay. Right. We're good. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so when they they climb a tree mm -hmm. they obviously have to use harnesses things like yeah. that right yeah and that's part of the those uh seminars that i've been to on um, there's obviously osha approved ways and ansi i don't know all the different groups mm -hmm. that get involved but in order to do things safely um yeah you 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 use harnesses multiple rope systems um and try to keep things safe yeah because when you're dealing with a chainsaw that thing it, they're unforgiving you know and in yeah. fact like most when, when climbing in a rope setup system you always have a redundant system so anytime you're firing up a chainsaw you have two different systems that you're relying on in case you know you happen to clip one of them okay you know so you always have that redundant 
um, backup system ready to go. And it helps also in positioning too sure. to have two systems sure. that that you know gives you some mobility and balance when you're doing that stuff. Sure. So, Roy, uh, for our listeners, uh, how can they get in touch with you if they would like to uh, hire you? Um, you know what? I'm a small guy, and and I just pretty much go by word of mouth. Um, but my phone number is six one six four four six seven two seven one. I get booked up pretty fast okay. and because I'm a one man show. When I get booked up fast, it usually um, doesn't take too long, and I've got my spring, summer, fall almost booked. So, okay. um, if you have any any issues that are that are really technical and you just feel uncomfortable about, I can look at them and go, "Ah, oh, that's going to last another twenty years, or that might fall down tomorrow." Sure, you know, things sure. like that. So. Gotcha. Okay. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and go out, and you're going to demonstrate how to use the chainsaw. Yeah, I can show you some things. That'll be great. We're just going to pretend that we'd be taking down this cherry tree. And you can kind of tell it's a cherry tree because it's got this kind of chippy looking bark. And I've been here in the summer, so I know it's a cherry tree. I would kind of look this tree over before I did anything to see if there's any flaws that might cause me problems. You see like right here? Up there, we've got a, uh, a hook in it. Looks like it was from maybe a, a hammock. Mm-hmm. So this tells me there may be some stuff in here that I could possibly hit with a saw. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And sometimes you just got to roll the dice. And especially if I'm going to just drop the tree rather than get up, limit, and bring it down. So if, if I was actually doing this one, here's a nice landing zone. Okay. right here that I could I could use to drop it right. cherry typically drops pretty good and uh, I'll just show you this real quick this is my it's called a big shot for putting a line up in the tree and I'll show you how that works but I'm going to show you a trick we use we use you need a straight stick you hold it out like this and now what I've got is a is a triangle here where this length equals this length and then I've got the hypotenuse. So if I step back over here, hold that at the base, keeping this at 90 degrees, and I step back until when I look up, there's there now my eyesight lines up with the top of the tree. This is where this tree's gonna fall, about right here. So I know that I've got plenty of landing zone for this tree to drop. Um, you know, and this is this is kind of give or take a couple feet. It's not exact science, but it's pretty darn close. And again, it's it's because of that 90 degree equal height, equal leg. And then you just take your eye and you sight it in. Hold that, hold this line of sight at the base, and then look up. And if you see the tips are just over the end, and you can use anything, a broomstick, a straight stick, anything. Mm. And that's how I can get those, those drops where, man, that was like four or five feet from the fence. Yeah. But I know that it'll fit in there. You don't want to drop them if you're not sure. Now, if a, if a tree's leaning one way or the other, it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary your depth or you know, length a little bit, but you can be pretty darn close with this method. How do you know if it's going to land there or over this way? We'll show you. That's next, huh? We'll show you. Now, if if this was a tree where I thought I was going to have some problems with it, 
I would take this, hook it up to that over there, and I would shoot a line up in there, tie a rope, and maybe hook it to that tree and put a puller on it, just, just as a little bit of um, precaution. And, and in, with a tree like this, I could actually just do it with a, with a throw bag. People say, how do you get those, how do you get those, you know, lines way up in the tree? Well, if I wanted to just go on that little um, part up there, I would just take it like this, throw it up over, tie my rope to that end, pull it back over, and I'm and I'm good to go. So that that's wow. that's how I that's how I would do that. Um, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to put this right back in. Now, looking at our at our saw before. See, this is if I'm shooting really high. I put that base on this, and then that's like a, and it shoots that thing. I can go up about a hundred feet. Your with slingshot, this. huh? It's like a ginormous slingshot. Or if you got golf balls and you want to hit boats out on the, no, don't do that. <laughs> but that would be fun. That would be awesome. Yeah, would be awesome. So I've got a couple different chainsaws here. One's a, a, a smaller uh, kind of handy limbing saw. Um, it's a 346 Husqvarna. It's a 372 Husqvarna. You can see the difference in size. Now all of your chainsaws are basically right-handed. You're going you're to operate them with your right hand mm -hmm. and your, your left hand is going to be on, on the handle. So now, if you're left-handed you have to learn to be right-handed. You got it. Yeah, you're going to do it right-handed. Because it. see what, look at what happens. See now, uh, now, okay. now it's, it's, it's not, they're not designed for a lefty unfortunately. Um, so this one has the standard handle. This bigger one here has a full wrap handle. And a full wrap handle allows me to, like I can back chain with it, holding it like this. You know, because if I got a, if, I, if the handle stops there like that one, I've got nothing here. So a full wrap gives you a little bit more um, um, ability to, to cut at different, different angles and, and different um, cuts. Uh, so, something about a chainsaw that most people don't know. Chainsaws have gunning sights, or sights like a firearm, a gun. Mm -hmm. And when you see people cutting, I'm just going to use this one kind of for an example. I want this tree to fall that way. Larry says, how do we get it to go that way? How do we know where it's going to go? Well, you'll see most people, they'll come, and they'll, they'll cut a... They'll cut a, a, a you know, a, a notch here, and they'll cut a notch here. Oh, that looks pretty good. And then they'll come back here and, and cut a notch or whatever they think they're going to do. People that know how to cut trees, that's not what they're going to do. They're going to be holding the saw this way. That's, see, right-handed. And they're going to put that saw here, and their head is going to be up against the tree, and they're going to be looking where they want the tree to go. Okay. And on this saw... You'll see this line right here. All your saws are going to have this line. See, it comes right up the side, over the top, and literally this one right here down the other side. Those are gunning sights. Okay. So I'm going to come and I'm going to do my, my notch. I'm going to look at my notch, and my head is going to be right here, and I'm actually going to be looking down my gunning sight. And I might have put my little pole down there, laid it in the grass, or put a stick in there so I can line that gunning sight up with that stick 
and then I'll make my notch. So I'll make my notch. Most people's notch, they're using a, what they call a, a standard North American notch, which is a third of the way in, comes down at 45 degrees, comes in at 90 degrees, and then once that's, that's cut, you can lay your saw right into that back of that notch and make sure that when, that when that bar is in there flat against that whole notch, that gunning sight is pointed in the right direction. And then you can come around, and this is the reason I don't, I, I like to use that one for felling. I can come back here, I can look in my notch, set my saw, and then work into I get where I get to my hinge. This is where most people fail um, in, in tree felling is they'll just keep cutting until the tree starts going and hope that the hinge holds. You never, that's, that's not what you want to do. Um, like a tree this big, what is this Larry about, would you say about 12 inches? 12 inches looks like yeah. About 12 inches, uh, give or takes. Say it was 15 just for numbers sake. Say this is 15 inch. I make my, I make my, my um, face cut. I'm coming back with my back cut. How big of a hinge should I leave? And this is, this is, this is crucially important. If it's a 15 inch tree, I my, my, my hinge, I want it to be roughly 10%. So I want an inch and a half hinge. I know cherry holds pretty decent. So if it's inch and a quarter, inch and a half, I'm good. So once I go and I'm cutting through, and I'm an inch and a half away from my face cut, I'm done. Hey, this thing is still standing here. What do I do? Well, I can pull with the rope. Um, but what I, what I always do, I, I never am without these guys. These are my, these are felling wedges. Notice the felling wedges, unlike splitting wedges, are plastic. So once I get my saw in far enough where I can get and hold that, hold that back cut open, I'll stick a wedge in there. And that wedge will keep my saw from getting pinched. How many guys out there have, you know, started cutting, mm -hmm. all of a sudden the tree sits back and, you, and your saw is stuck. Yep. And it's like, oh no, what am I gonna do? This is what you use. Mm. You, everybody, if you've got a saw, you should have a, 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 at least one or two wedges, the little plastic ones because you're gonna drive them in. Now I do pretty big trees, so these things, you know, are pretty good size. I've, you can actually tip a 100 foot tree, if it's eight degrees back leaning, with wedges, you can tip it over in the opposite direction. You can lift it up and, wow. and, and tip it. So, so that's, that's really um, good. So you always wanna use wedges, mm. and that, that keeps them from sitting back. You'll see a lot of guys on their back cut too, where people goof up is they will they'll take their saw and they'll think, well, I'll stop it from leaning back. So I'm gonna cut down at this angle. It's called a salami cut, and there are times when you would use that, but not for felling, because if you're gonna use a wedge and you have to drive a wedge into a salami cut, all that does is it splits out. That salami cut is not, if a tree's gonna go that way, that's not gonna stop it. In fact, it's just gonna split right out. You always wanna cut these back cuts like the, the, the tree fibers are longitudinal like this. So I want to cut them in a cross-cut fashion so that those fibers are against each other. I never want to cut them in, in an angle like that unless I'm 
doing that salami cut in a specific um, technique. But for normal felling, it's, it's, it's directly across. Now, if I had a tree on, on, say, a little bit of an angle, like this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, be cutting it straight across like this. You're cutting it at, at, you know, at the angle of the fibers, not, not the level of the ground. On a tree like this, though, this is also a cherry. But notice it's, it's quite a, what we call a heavy leaner. And you would think, if I wanted to drop this tree, I'd just drop it right over there. So I'd make my face cut, cut my back cut, boom, and drop it. That'd be the worst thing you could do with this right here because you could kill yourself with it. Really? And the, the reason is, if a tree's sitting straight up and down, all you've got is pressure straight down. It's like a barrel sitting on a concrete floor. But when you've got this, you've got pressure on the leaning side, but you've got tension on this side. Mm. So I cut my notch, I'm gonna cut my back cut, and all of a sudden I get about, you know, a third of the way in, and my head is right here, and I'm like, Rrr. and all of a sudden, because this has got tension instead of pressure, this thing kicks out and does what's called a barber chair. This tree would probably split up to that, to that one spot right there, and it, it'd be very violent, and it could literally take your head off. Wow. And, but people don't think of that. The tree. The, yeah. the tree. So when I do something like this, I would make a face notch, plunge cut in, and back my way out, leaving a little holding strap. Once I'm out, nip it, and then it's going to fall. So we have to somehow remove that tension, that mm -hmm. tension wood. And so, so you got to be really careful when you got a leaning tree, even though it looks like I could just drop it right there. They're, they're really dangerous, so you got to watch that. Um, the last thing, I guess, to talk about, or should have been the first thing, is PPE. Um, if I was a chainsaw salesman, I would never sell a saw unless I sold them a pair of chaps with it. Um, I've, I've been at this professionally now about 14 years. I've been through three sets of chaps where I've actually stopped my saw, not voluntarily but in in an accidental fashion where it's it's it stopped my saw from cutting my leg now if you look here you can see there's a little nip right there there's a little nip right there in this pocket that gets in the way is kind of nipped right there because these are right-handed remember you have a tendency to drop that saw towards your left leg the average chainsaw accident is a hundred and thirty five stitches the average no. chainsaw accident um, the buddy, my, a buddy that just uh, worked on my truck, I was out fishing, and my brother gets a gets a text with a picture of his leg. He ran oh. one across his right leg, inside to outside, across the thigh, wide open. Um, and he says, "Roy, I've, I haven't needed a pair of chaps in 20 years." I says, "But the one day you did need it mm -hmm. was the one day you didn't have it." And, right. and so you might go your entire life. I've been doing this 40 years, never needed them but you might need them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The other thing, obviously, um, ear protection. Now this ear protection is on a pretty good helmet. Eye protection, very important. I actually have side shields for these glasses because these are my standard glasses, but they have the protective lenses, put the side shields on. This thing down protects chips from flying in your face. Mm -hmm. um, a, a good helmet, pretty necessary to think, yeah, but I'm cutting down here. 
But if you look up there, there's all kinds of dead stuff. And when you start falling and felling and things start moving, I've been hitting the head, I don't know how many times. So a, a helmet, you know, you'd think, ah, I probably don't really need it. Yeah, you might not, but maybe tomorrow you will. So your PPE, very important, gloves. Uh, a lot of guys will wear gloves that have like a gauntlet type. You don't want gauntlets. You want something sure. that, that's tight around your wrist, especially like feeding a chipper and a, and a thing gets caught. Mm -hmm. If you got gauntlets, it, it can pull you in. So, so typically your, your tree worker guys are gonna have something that fit tight around the wrist. There's all, I mean, you can go crazy. You can get chainsaw protective tops and arm, but um, the big thing yep. is chaps, ear protection, helmet, very Ooh. important. Again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell a saw without selling chaps. Well, fantastic. Well, thanks so, so much, Roy. So much appreciate it. Uh, yeah. You're a big help. A lot of information. So uh, Amazing. Thank awesome. you, Roy. Yeah, thanks so much. Today. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks All right. for everything yeah. that you do. Yep. Thanks. Thanks again. You bet. As promised, we're going to go ahead and do the uh, Michigan trivia question. Roy, um, Michigan has the second largest shoreline. What state has more shoreline than Michigan? Is it Alaska, Florida, or Maine? I gotta say Alaska. Very good, it's Alaska. Michigan is the only freshwater. Right. So yep, you are correct. All right, so everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Keep listening and keep learning. I'm Bruce with Input GRU, have a blessed day.